caution. Your paradigm is about to shift at the intersection of fact and reason. You're entering Kingston Country. I'm Dan Kingston, and you're listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. If Mayor Pete was CIA, a CIA asset, for instance, would he even know it? Would he realize it? Pete Buttigieg is such a fake, and I don't know why Democrats haven't yet seen that. I think it might require like a fuse to blow out. Literally have to break down on stage and malfunction for people to understand that he's a faker, phony, robot, clone, asset, whatever you want to call it. I want to get into the whole Pete Buttigieg CIA asset conspiracy theory, although it's not so much of a conspiracy at this point. It came out today. He did, in fact, work with the CIA in Afghanistan during his time at the defense contractor McKinsey. And co. So this story is coming uh, to light more and more of it, whether or not he's a CIA asset or is just working with the CIA without even knowing it. Right. They're sneaky, aren't they? We'll get into that. I want to talk also about the Democrat debate that happened last night. How sad that was to witness Biden like a sinking of the Titanic in slow motion looking like a hollow shell of a person. And to be completely honest, which I have to be with you and tell you something, maybe you're not going to like to hear it, that I did feel bad for him. Like an old man who's wandered too far from the home. And I'm concerned. Should I notify the authorities? Or would that make it more embarrassing for him do I lead him back to the old folks home myself? But, you know, I'm, I have things to do. I'm a busy guy. And so you have to make that tough decision. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you saw an old person wandering and you didn't quite know, you know, what do you do about it? Sometimes you see people with Alzheimer's in your neighborhood and they get lost and you have to, you know, guide them back home. And their significant others always appreciate that, don't they? And so it's a real thing. Here I am making fun of it. But Biden is just a few years away. It looks to me like uh, belonging in a home. And the White House isn't the right one. That's not the one I'm talking about. You know that. He looks to be confused most of the time. And it's honestly a valiant effort he's doing on that debate stage, given that his faculties look to be quite impaired from the low uh, place that they were in, in the start. That's just my take on it. Too much about Biden. Warren talked about how she will end the endless wars, which was laughable to me when she was saying it. She speaks in the same kind of you know, mannerisms and like everything is so important to Warren. Everything, the endless wars, we have to end the endless wars. She talks about channeling Tulsi Gabbard. Although in the follow-up question, when asked about, you know, actually ending the endless wars, what that means, then she flip-flops and talks about having to stay. We have to keep troops there, support and all these kinds of things. You can't abandon the international community, blah, blah, blah. So she's talking on the one end 
ending the endless wars. On the other side, she's talking about America last, international first. And we know where that leads. That leads to nation building. That leads to defend the Kurds, whoever the new version of the Kurds end up being. You think that was the last call for us to get more engaged in the Middle East? I guarantee you there's going to be another defend the Kurds. And we'll sit there for a week having to listen why we should send 50,000 troops back into the Middle East when we all know it's China that presents the biggest threat to the Western civilization and America, in my humble opinion. Now, ABC was criminal because they really didn't let Steyer or Yang talk at all. Now, why am I defending Steyer and Yang? Well, they represent a similar thing, uh, populist messaging, and Bernie was only allowed to talk because he did so well in Iowa, I would argue. Otherwise, they would silence Bernie, too. Yang has these ideas that are not very common, and they're not liked, but they're forward thinking. Say what you will about the universal uh, income idea. Obviously, it would just bring up prices, wouldn't it? I mean, if everybody gets uh, $1,000 a month, wouldn't everything just go up by a certain rate in, in terms of how much everything costs? So it would be as if you don't have an extra thousand because everybody has an extra thousand, right? What am I missing about that? Like I, I didn't do amazing in economics. I'm not a finance degree person. It just seems to me once you give everybody a thousand dollars, then it's no benefit to you. Right? It's only a benefit if you have $1,000 and nobody else does. That makes you able to purchase more. Okay, If you are an economist and you, you'd like to set the record straight, let me know. Reach out to me. But the universal basic income, it, it doesn't make much sense. But I do agree with the feeling behind the fact the system is not working. For many people, for instance, truck drivers and manufacturing and coal workers and all these fields and industries that are slowly disappearing because of automation, technology, and also just because of the idiot climate hysteria, which is forcing a lot of these industries to prematurely disappear before they needed to. Anyway, whatever the reason is, these are real issues that need to be addressed. And it's a start by addressing them in a stupid way. It's better than not addressing it at all. Wouldn't you th agree that to say something smart, you have to say a lot of stupid things? And hopefully, maybe you're just you know thinking all that stupid stuff yourself to yourself, or you're writing it down. And then once you stumble upon something smart, then you share it with the world. I kind of work the opposite way with this podcast. I'm kind of uh, talking and talking and talking, and hopefully you get something smart out of it. But actually, maybe I'm selling myself short because a lot of the analysis and the work that I put into the shows is uh, pre-thought. So you are getting a refined thought process. And in fact, not one that's so refined that it's bad for you. It's not like... Uh, 
refined sugar that's only going to hurt your health. This is more like a natural kind of uh, sugar that's found in a fruit that's healthy for you, uh, although you should not consume too much of it. It will make you a little crazy. What am I talking about? You can have as many oranges and apples as you want, but uh, I, I think that the, the sugar in the natural fruits is a lot healthier than the refined sugars, which is what I'm trying to get at right now, that I'm not uh, an intellectual elitist speech writer. That's not what this is about. This is about an inner monologue that's being openly shared with you. You're in my mind, reading my thoughts, and there is zero filter going on right now. You get it all. You know how I think, and either you like it or you don't, but you know where I stand. Now let's wrap around to Pete Buttigieg working with the CIA. Is he a CIA asset? Would he even realize it if he were a CIA asset? Well, today it did come out that he worked with the CIA at, during his time in Afghanistan with the defense contractor McKinsey & Co. McKinsey & Company. So this is uh, fueling suspicions on both the left and the right that he could be a CIA asset or at least involved with the CIA in some way. And don't we have a right to know, at least don't we have a right to ask that question? I believe we do. Reporter Alex Rubenstein, who I've invited on this show, cross your fingers, get him on here. He says, Mayor Pete likes to liken his job in Afghanistan to the duties of an Uber driver. In reality, he was an officer in command in a unit that worked with the CIA in Afghanistan, among other intelligence and law enforcement agencies. But that CIA in Afghanistan is the one we're looking at right now. So that's from reporter Alex Rubenstein. Now, Buttigieg spent six months in Afghanistan, okay? And he was a part of this. Afghanistan threat finance cell. It's called ATFC. It was put together, believe it or not, uh, by former CIA chief, General David Petraeus. And so this ATFC cell did reportedly a lot of good stuff, breaking up bad Ponzi scheme banks in Afghanistan. And um, now, was the ATFC working with the CIA? Yes, yes, they do, but not officially, not officially linked. You know how this works. We all know, uh, well, I guess we all don't know, but it's reportedly known that everybody in that field all knows that the agencies do work together, ATFC and the CIA. Buttigieg himself said in a 2019 Newsweek article, Talking about his time at McKinsey and Company, quote, we were working with everybody across the civilian spectrum in the intelligence community. And Newsweek did list the CIA as one of those agencies that Buttigieg was referring to. So that means that he did work with the CIA in Afghanistan, despite having denied this and really throwing dirt. In the eyes of the umpire, you are the umpire, 
the people or the empire, every step of the way, trying to make it look like he was not doing anything consequential in Afghanistan, certainly not involving the CIA. So what do you make about all this? Does this mean he's a CIA asset? No. But, you know, I mention the hundreds of uh, experts, foreign policy experts, many of whom are CIA, that have come out to endorse the small-time mayor out of nowhere. Why are they endorsing him? Why does he have so many billionaires that are backing his campaign? These are questions. Why does he look like CIA? I mean, the guy looks like it. The other thing I want to talk about is he gets pushed around as kind of like an an idiot. And in fact, he's incredibly smart, but he's Asperger-like, autistic almost. He's all in his head. He has no feeling, no emotional humanity that I can read. And this is a hard thing to do. It's all subjective. Maybe you feel a different way. I'm looking at him and he looks like a robot. He looks like a tin man. He looks like he would be controlled by Wi-Fi CIA brainwaves. That's what it looks like. And you got to trust your intuition sometimes. I don't trust him. Is he a clone? I don't know what, a, what he is, but he looks like the shell of a human. He looks like a Biden with lots of energy. There's lots of energy in that thing, in that Buddha judge, but there's nothing inside of it. It's like an energizer bunny that's hollow. Why am I saying such bad things about Buddha judge? Isn't it what we need to have a, a president or a leader who's very, very smart? Do we need a touchy feely leader? Maybe that's just, you know, makes us feel better, but we don't really need it. I would argue that. Actually, we don't want an autistic president or an Asperger president. And I'll tell you why. When an extraterrestrial is looking at different humans, okay, and he's comparing Einstein to Dan Kingston or to you or to anybody, yes, Einstein is going to be noticeably smarter to the extraterrestrial, but to only a fraction of a degree. Because remember, this extraterrestrial is super advanced. They've traveled light years to get here. They are very, very intelligent, way more than a human in this hypothetical. So when they see a smart human or even the smartest human, they maybe pat him on the back and say, oh, very good. Here's a cracker. And they look at the stupidest human that's ever existed And they pat him on the back and they say, well, oh, isn't he cute? The degree between isn't he cute and oh, here's a cracker isn't much. And yet here we are and we sit here and we idolize people because we think they're so smart or such an intellectual. Oh, they can hold so many numbers in their head at the same time. Look at all the numbers they can hold in their head. Wow. If only we would have people like that in charge and listen to them, to all the number pushers, then we would be in such a better situation, wouldn't we? No. In fact, the direction we are moving is that way. 
that's the direction we're moving. What do I mean by that is that we are being more and more controlled by algorithms. Computer algorithms that take all the humanity out of decision making. This is a direction, believe it or not, we are moving towards. And I think Buttigieg represents that. Whether or not he's an actual robot, he looks like one. And he signals that the American people are ready to have an algorithm as president. This is Kingston Country. The Dan Kingston Podcast is brought to you by Traveling with Janice and Cruise Brothers. This is a great time of year to plan your summer vacations. Lots of great travel specials for cruises and tours. Call Traveling with Janice and Cruise Brothers for all these ideas for families, groups, weddings. 480-648-3324 or email travelingwithjanice at gmail.com. Oglerthems really are being used more and more to make decisions about people's lives all around the world. What's an algorithm? It's just a computer code. It's just basically a computer formula that says, if this, then that. Essentially, although it's much more complicated. Police departments use predictive algorithms to set police patrols to help inform prison sentences and probation rules. But now, more and more, they're taking the human element out of the decision-making altogether and just relying on these predictive algorithms that are coming out of elite universities and essentially are black boxes without any way of understanding how the algorithm makes the decisions. At least a human you can ask, why did you make that decision? You can't ask an algorithm, and sometimes the inventor and creator of the algorithm doesn't even know themselves how it came to its decision. There's no paper trail. You can't ask it, how did you come to that decision? In the Netherlands, they're using algorithms to flag down welfare fraud. And in England, they're using algorithms to see which teenagers are going to become criminals, like out of minority report. That's really a bad idea if you ask me. Why? Because predictive algorithms can only do so good. They're designed by humans with the data and the flawed decision making that humans put into it. I would much rather have a panel of smart experts who are able to talk and figure this out. But of course, that would cost too much money, wouldn't it? That would take too much time. That would be a human answer to a dystopian solution more and more that we are going in the direction of. So, Oglerthem Watch, it's a group in Berlin, and they've actually found... 16 uh, countries in Europe use predictive algorithms. So that's concerning. We, I mean, this country, America, we do it. But 16 other European countries, you got to assume if we're doing it, China and Russia are doing it too. It's not in this article. And this is coming out of the New York Times. But as soon as the Chinese have an algorithm that does anything useful for them, you know they're going to put that into use. How to prevent coronavirus from spreading They'll just ask the algorithm, even if it tells them to kill thousands of people. Well, that's what they'll do, isn't it? They'll just blindly listen to their devil demon algorithm, whatever it instructs them to do. Nick Bostrom made up a 
a really great point in a book he came out with. And he's a philosophical computer scientist, genius type. He, he talks about artificial intelligence a lot. And people say, you know, they shrug off the concern of artificial intelligence. They say, Terminator, that's not really going to happen. But Bostrom points to a scenario in which a company, say a paperclip company, does develop somehow super artificial intelligence. And they tell this super AI to build the most paperclips that it can build. That's the instruction. And the super AI is so super, it's so smart that it does exactly what they ask. And before long, to their horror, the only thing Earth is creating are paper clips. That's the problem presented by AI. It's like a genie. When the genie gives you three wishes and the first wish, you don't think it through and you make a mistake. You know, you wish for something that the genie interprets differently than you had in mind. Right? And so then you waste a wish. Now the second wish, you try even harder, you still get it wrong, and now you only have one wish left. And you then you realize the problem with super artificial intelligence. Because we don't really know what we need. And we don't really know the right questions to ask or the right solutions when we get them. How do we judge? How do we trust that what the computer told us to do is the right thing to do. Maybe you're a big fan of predictive algorithms. It looks like there have been benefits to the technology. But I want to present to you another hypothetical. This one is coming from Dan Kingston himself. Say you have unlimited computing power. Maybe it was a, a quantum computer you know, that's been invented. That It's unlimited power. And let's say you have unlimited data on every atom that has ever existed going back to the beginning of time, the beginning of the universe. Just follow me and assume that we could do this. I know it's impossible, but let's say you fed all this perfect data into the perfect computer, and now you ask it to predict the future. Remember, it has every information, piece of information on every atom that has ever existed in the past, going back to the beginning of time. And you have a computer that can process all of this data with unlimited power. Now you ask it, after feeding the data, how far and how accurate would this futuristic computer prediction, how accurate could it get? You know, I would say that maybe like a weather report, it could give you an accurate guess a couple days, maybe even a couple weeks into the future. The further you go, wouldn't it become more and more general, just like a weather report? Some more sophisticated satellites can give you more sophisticated information on where clouds will move, but they can't pinpoint it. Even if you had all of the data on every atom that ever existed, could you pinpoint the future with precision? And yet, we actually trust and have faith in modern-day predictive algorithms that are doing the very same thing, only with, with much less data 
They don't have information on everything historically that's happened in the past. They have a very limited subset of data. And even the creators of these algorithms warn, as soon as they're used in a way that deviates even a fraction from how it was intended to be used, it's completely worthless. The data is completely unreliable. The people that don't understand how algorithms work are being entrusted in their application when it comes to prison sentences, when it comes to probation rules, when it comes to police patrols, when it comes to welfare fraud, when it comes to predicting who might be a criminal going forward in the future. Do you want a computer to decide if you're a criminal before you've ever even thought of committing a crime, but because of your zip code, because of your Twitter comments, because of your picture and your frown and the way you dress and the way you talk, because of your friends, because of your employer, or just because of the way you vote. Anything and everything, including your DNA, can be fed into a predictive algorithm. Kingston Country. You've been listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. Dan Kingston here asking you to do me a huge favor. Will you possibly rate the Dan Kingston Podcast on Apple Podcasts? Each new rating, believe it or not, really does have a major impact on the way Apple's algorithm recommends content. With just one quick click, you can help promote citizen journalism and end the stranglehold of the mainstream media. Together, we're going to do this. Thank you. I really appreciate your support.